unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this week's show, we take a look at the baseball pennant race as we wind down the last couple of weeks of the season. Joe Finger, Jay Cresswell, my baseball guys, are standing by in the virtual green room and will join me to discuss all of that in just a few moments. But first, the Manning cast, number two. Well, they doubled their ratings. It was a rather low rating the first week, but they doubled it in week two. So word has gotten out. The hype is starting to build. And uh, as I, I think they did a better job of not uh, being as overwhelming at the start. And it is an alternate broadcast, and it is something different. They're not doing quote-unquote play-by-play. They're watching the game, but they're having conversations. I like some of the stuff they're going in-depth on, you know, when they're talking about coverages and things like that. You know, Tony Romo's done a, an amazing job doing that, but has to make his points quick and get out of the way for Jim Nance to do the play-by-play. Without a play-by-play guy in this scenario, uh, he and Eli can kind of expand upon that, that stuff. So it's very educational from that point of view, and they have fun with the guests, and it's all all good. Uh, you know, you get good football knowledge, you get some good fun in games. Matter of fact, the uh, I watched through the first half last night, and Eli's best joke, <laughs> I guess he said that uh, his dad had told him to ease up a little bit on making fun of Peyton's forehead. And Eli said, well, it's not really a forehead, it's a five head. <laughs> Great stuff there. And... What's our overreaction stuff to the NFL this week? Uh, boy, we had some good games all coming down to the wire. And what we have learned is, you know, the 0-2 scenario, which is like the percentage is less than 20% of making the playoffs, does that matter with a 17-game season? You could still climb out of that hole potentially. So that's uh, one thing to look at. The other thing I think we had to look at, well, let's put it this way. The the AFC West is going to be fun to watch. Raiders and Broncos both 2-0. The Chiefs and Chargers are 1-1. And all of them are, are good teams. So that's going to be a very interesting race. And then you look at it from the NFC standpoint, you look at the NFC West. Rams, 49ers, Cardinals 2-0 starts. And the Seahawks at 1-1. So that's an interesting battle. And then uh, Carolina 2-0. Our good buddy Colin Thompson uh, and his crew off to a good start uh, to the season. And uh, Aaron Rodgers did bounce back, as we they said. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to keep talking about it. <laughs> I'm trying to get away from it, I swear. Okay, baseball pennant races heat and up. Let's talk about that now. My baseball guys, Joe Finger and Jay Crestwell, are here on the program. Guys, thanks for being here once again. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Thank Joe. You, Jeff. All right. So uh, before we get to that, uh, Jay, I know you uh, just had a little pilgrimage to Kansas City. Uh, tell us about your exploits. Yeah. I uh, First of all, I, I want to get back to doing visiting baseball parks which is something I did in the 80s. And now that, you know, there's still a pandemic, so one has to be careful with what one does. But the Royals have been my favorite American League team since 1969. And I think it was because that was the same year I began playing Little League Baseball and my team was the Royals. Ah. And then, of course, they added Freddie Patek, who was one of my favorite Pirates. Uh, shortly thereafter. So I've always liked the Royals. I was a huge George Brett fan. Um, you know, it, it killed me to see them lose to the Phillies in 1980 in the World Series. Um, I know they won in 85, thanks to Don Denkinger. Uh, but then again, to see them win in 2015 was good. The other reason was, you know, I've always heard that Kauffman Stadium is fantastic. And it is true. It's hard to believe that a stadium constructed or opened in 1973 still works today. It's the right size. It's comfortable. Uh, you're close to the field. 
The concourses are wide, which was not a common thing back then. There's room to expand uh, the fan amenities outside the outfield. You know, you can check the speed of your fastball. There's batting cages for the kids. There's another field the kids can play on. Um, the statues are nice. The fountains are nice. And besides, the tickets and parking were free. Ah. So <laughs> my, my boss is from Kansas City. So he arranged all that. And uh, so that I liken that. I'm going to call that the Midwestern version of Dodger Stadium because I don't think it's obsolete at all or even approaching it. Now, my boss did tell me that they have been exploring a possible move downtown because they see what that's done in Denver and other places in you know other places to build new ballparks but hey, there's nothing wrong with Kauffman Stadium. And of course the other thing was barbecue. So uh, three <laughs> three days three different barbecue spots they were all great in their own way and uh, for me, it was a seven and a half hour drive each way, which wasn't too bad. That way I didn't have to worry about getting on a plane. I didn't have to worry about renting a car. So it was pretty good. And a friend uh, met me there. He flew in from Hartford. So um, at least, and we stayed at an Airbnb that was like 15 minutes from everything. So it was a great baseball trip. Yes. And uh, I believe you also uh, uh, went to the Negro League uh, Hall of Fame Museum, right? Absolutely. Just spectacular. Uh, if you've been to Cooperstown, it's like an extension of Cooperstown. They did it right. They did it, you know, chronologically. And it's not just a baseball lesson. It's a history lesson, American history. And you find out some of the horrible things that went on in the past that you may not know, but you learn them through baseball. And uh, I can't recommend it uh, strongly enough. We spent three hours there and probably could have spent another hour or two. Wow, that's awesome stuff. Uh, and I like your comparison to Coffin Stadium because, you know, I've, I was thinking Dodger Stadium as you were talking about it. And yep. I've been to Dodger Stadium and, yep. and now it's been probably about 15 years, but the park does not seem outdated. It's timeless. Yeah. That's a that's a beautiful thing about those uh, those parks. So. You almost make me want to go to Kansas City, Jay, and, and that, that's no small task <laughs> <laughs> for the barbecue. For the barbecue, maybe. The barbecue. Here's another thing, uh, noticeable thing: um, being a midwestern city, everybody was nice. <laughs> okay, not surprised. And, and not surprised genuine. To hear that. And, uh, and this was uh, somewhat surprising to my friend and I, most everyone was wearing masks. Hmm. They're very interesting. So yeah. even, even more impressive that you yep. just scored major points yep. with that. We often hear about Minnesota nice. I had that same experience yes. when we went to Target Field. I suspect there's some perhaps similarities, smaller market teams, yep. kind of a different vibe that you get there. Absolutely. And you, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I've been in Texas for 26 years. The people here are unbelievably nice. Okay. Um, so there, there are different grades of nice. I guess, you know, there's Texas nice and Kansas City nice and Minnesota nice, but then there's Canadian nice. And none of us can compare with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't do that, man. <laughs> it's, it's <for> sure. <laughs> All right. So, uh, looking at the uh, baseballs, we're heading down the, the home stretch of the season and uh, headed towards the playoffs now. In the American League, the divisions are really not up for grabs, but the wild card race is uh, definitely turned out to be uh, quite interesting, to say the least. Uh, Boston and Toronto hold the spots right now, but the Yankees are a half game back. Oakland's two back. Seattle's three back. They're a surprise. Um, you know, and you're in those situations now where you you got teams that, it because they can't win their division, they've got to get in through this route. And it could be teams in your division knocking you out in the process. So uh, that's a very interesting aspect. Uh, Joe, let's get your thoughts on that first. Well, I'm hoping that in the American League, we have a five-way tie at the end of the season <laughs> just to see what Major League Baseball does with that. You'd have to dust off the uh, tiebreaker uh, rules ad infinitum on that one. But, yeah, that, that's where the interest is right now. And, um, you know, I think it, it, it's, it's wide open 
at this point. I think, you know, the Red Sox have a little bit of an edge right now, but I, I think the Blue Jays, to me, maybe are the best team in the American League, uh, and that includes Tampa Bay. But yet the Blue Jays are not a sure bet to even get into the playoffs at this point with, with the wild card jam up going on. But I like, I like their chances if they play as they're capable of. Uh, a great team they put on the field. They score a ton of runs, lead the league in home runs. Pit, starting pitching is, is really good when they yep. picked up uh, Barrios from the Twins. Uh, that really made them that much stronger. So I, li- I like their chances. Yankees, who knows? Jekyll and Hyde, they had that, what, tremendous hot streak not too long ago, and then they w- kind of went in the tank after that. The A's have kind of struggled. But, uh, but it, you know, it's, it's a great race um, in, the, in the AL, and I think it, anything could happen there. And for Aaron Boone, the Yankees had better get in or uh, <laughs> he may not have a job for much longer. So what do you, what do you guys think for the AL uh, at, at this point? In a I, sense? You, you know, it's uh, part of the going to Kansas city. They played Oakland one day and Seattle the next two. So we were hoping they were still factors in the race and they are, um, you know, I'm all for anything that eliminates the Yankees. Um, even if it includes the Red Sox. Uh, but I'm with Joe on the on the Toronto bandwagon. I really want to see the Blue Jays get in there. And, you know, Oakland is Oakland and Seattle are playing each other now. And Oakland's only two games out. So uh, if we can see the Yankees continue to not play well, uh, there's an outside chance with, I guess, 12 games left that um, Oakland or Seattle could sneak in there. Yeah, you know, I find Toronto very interesting because they are very – not only is it, uh, you know, they had they had that that vibe, and they they look like a team that also is having a heck of a lot of fun yeah. in the process. And and sometimes when you get that uh, devil may care attitude, uh, you know, things start breaking your way. It is very interesting to see how that how that would transpire. And yes, I'm with you guys on. Uh, we'd like to see the Yankees uh, falling. It was interesting because what, what was it? Uh, you know, the Field of Dreams game. Yeah, and they got beaten, and they got you know hot. And, you know, it was a, uh, but they have been so hot and then so cold. Yeah. You know, and I, I think we've seen a lot of that in baseball this year with a number of teams. I think the extremes of the hot and cold streaks have been a little more prevalent this year. Yeah, St. Louis, the Cubs, I mean, a lot of these eight and nine game winning and losing streaks. Yeah, As, you know, normally you see four or five. Yeah, and then and but yeah, it's been been interesting though the the length of those uh, losing streaks and how how they transpire. So uh, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see there. So in the National League, that's where things are are very interesting as well because uh, one division up for grabs uh, in the East uh, with Atlanta and Philadelphia, and actually I should say two because Dodgers. And, and uh, San Francisco are battling for the West, but both are already in, yeah. uh, clinching the playoffs. So they're 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 at least that far along. Milwaukee in as well. So Atlanta Philadelphia be an interesting race because they finished the season with each other. Uh, right now Atlanta's three up, four in the loss column. Um, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because they're on a West coast trip. Now they did not fare well on the last West coast trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they, they had beaten some bad teams to pad their lead. And it was a good thing. They did that before they went West. And the interesting aspect of this between the, uh, diamondbacks and the, uh, and then playing the Padres is there's that makeup date that they have from a suspended game back in July. And the Braves are trailing that game five to four in the bottom of the fifth. And it's only going to be a seven inning game. Oh, my goodness. So that could be somewhat of a factor uh, when the Braves and Phillies meet next week. Oh, wow. An inning and a half, uh, several month old game could decide a playoff spot. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to change. We got to change that rule back somewhere, I think. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I- I'll tell you this. Um the Cardinals got hot all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, they were three and a half games out of the wild card. They won eight or nine in a row, and now they're three games up. And, you know, it's almost like fairy dust sprinkles on the St. Louis Cardinals baseball team all the time. <laughs> um, and, you know, the Reds are starting to hit again, too. So they're trying to – they were the ones that were ahead of the Cardinals, and now the Reds are getting hot again, too. 
So, you know, we've got the Dodgers or Giants in there. And then you got the Reds and the Cardinals and then the Phillies. Um, I think, you know, based on how poorly the Phillies bullpen has pitched this year, that the Braves, regardless of where they are in their road trip, uh, should lock up that division. And San Diego, we would agree, is basically tanking at this yeah. point. Amazing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, you would have, you know, you would have pegged them what maybe two months ago as a lock. You probably would have, you probably would have been throwing dirt on the Cardinals. Yes, yes, <laughs> sure. Especially with all the money they went out and spent in the offseason on pitchers, and you know, ooh, it, it, well, it's almost like they have the dark cloud over them, the complete opposite of the Cardinals. Yeah, with the little brouhaha in the dugout the other day with the yep. Machado and uh, Tatis. Yep. Not looking good. Nope. Yeah, the wheels coming off uh, more or less. And, yeah, it, you know, the uh, the other aspect is, you know, the San Francisco Giants. Man. Who knew? <laughs> if, I wish I had a plane to take on them in Vegas. Holy cow. <laughs> Aren't they one of the oldest teams in the league? Or yeah, I, I think last time we talked about that, I think yeah. they the oldest uh, mathematically, and yeah. Uh, yeah, they just continue to do it. Yeah, and I'm furious at Kevin Gosman who did nothing for the Braves. Yes, and he's not looked at him. Andy, what didn't he get a, like a game winning hit the other night? Yes, <laughs> it's like come yes. on, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, tell me your problems. Anytime the Twins release somebody, they become an all star wherever. Yes. That's just, just the way it works out, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So uh, uh, one other thing I wanted to kind of uh, bring up a couple of things. Actually, I don't think we we did get a chance to talk about the Field of Dreams, did we? No. Yeah. So uh, give me your thoughts on, on, on that game. Well, I disappointed so many people when I was the one to tell them that it wasn't actually being played on that field. <laughs> <laughs> that it was being played next door in another field they built you know, a, a, a bloop hit away from uh, the field that was used in the movie. Uh, but you know what? It lived up to all the hype, in my opinion. And it was just made you, you know, the love for baseball uh, came back. And then to see, you know, the White Sox beat the Yankees like they did with a walk off into the corn. Um, it was very impressive. But I will tell you this, it will get old. If they're going to try to do this every year, and at some point it'll be a so what. Yeah, I know. I kind of have mixed emotions on that because I kind of, you know, I because I, I was like, yeah, I want to see it again. Yeah, you know, and 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 you know, maybe you know, and and maybe the way to compare it to is like what uh, what hockey does with the outdoor stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think they kind of got a little carried away with that and took the they did took the specialty out of it. Now, what they did in Lake Tahoe was was amazing. Yes. That, that, I could, that I could watch every year. Yeah. And you know, what was odd is at first um, someone told me they thought they were playing on Lake Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a trick. And I had to say, no, I'm sorry. But, but, you know, just the setting, even though they had to push it back because of the sun, you know, the setting was beautiful and it was exciting hockey. Yeah. But, uh, but Field of Dreams, you know, and I really liked how, you know, they, they, they made it look old, authentic. Yep. Uh, you know, and even, even just so through, through the telecast with the, the, the little score bug, you know, looking like they were switching out the number manually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was all very, very impressive. Joe, what was your thoughts on the Field of Dreams game? Yep, I think Joe is locked up. There you are. There you are. Yeah, I'm back. I hope I'm back. Yeah. You are. There we go. Yeah, I was just, I guess I'm just doing a quick check to see who was going to play in that game next year. Uh, Reds and Cubs. Yes. Uh, for next year in Dyersville, Iowa. What would not there be to like about going to Dyersville, Iowa to watch minor, not minor, it would seem like a minor league baseball town, but it's, uh, yeah, it was great. I don't, you know, I guess eventually we'd probably get, maybe get tired of it, but I'm, I'm still watching Andy Griffith reruns and, you know, I still enjoy him. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I think it's great. Uh, speaking of Andy Griffith, sorry to take us off on a tangent. Did you see Please the feature do. on CBS Sunday morning on Mount Airy, North Carolina? No, I did oh, not this, see it. This past Sunday? Yes. And you'll find it at CBS.com. I'll look it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ted Koppel did a piece about 
the tourism industry in Mount Airy, North Carolina, which is booming for people that want to go see Mayberry. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So I guess, you know, when the, when the times are complicated, you try to look to the simple, right? Simpler things. You do. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I will say that, um, and believe me, I'm a huge admirer of Ted Koppel. He spent the last 10 minutes uh, pointing out that there were no black people um, in the TV show. Ah, that's that's largely correct. I think it is. Years, you would occasionally see an African-American as yep. a background actor. But uh, yeah, yeah, but you're right. In a show that was uh, canceled uh, 50 years ago. Man, that's a. Uh... It's, it's amazing to think of how long ago that was. And then, I know. You, know, you know, what my fun fact about the Andy Griffith show is, was that, you know, because I think one of the big things in reruns, because they were on TBS yes. for such a long time. And back in the day, you know, when the Braves were terrible, the Braves played their home games at 535 because Andy Griffith got better ratings. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart business. Yeah, but can you imagine that? That's uh, that's uh, that's incredible. <laughs> well, Bob sense, Horner, <laughs> Bob Horner struck out. Let's go to Mayberry RFD. <laughs> yeah, and that was always their rain delay program. I was going to say every time we yes. have a rain delay, let's go to Mayberry, <laughs> <laughs> where it very seldom rains. Yes, <laughs> yes. rarely as, did it ever. As, as Skip was saying, now back to another edition of the Andy Griffith Show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, good I stuff. can hear it as if it were yesterday. Jim. Yep. Yeah, me too. Um, Shohei Otani, we spoke a lot about him last time. It's a very slim chance, but could he make be a 50-50 player? I mean, he's 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 close on the home runs and he'd have to he'd have to have a whale of a last week and a half, but just to think that's even possible is amazing. Yeah, the fact that we're even asking the question probably yeah. speaks volumes. I don't know that it'll that it will happen, but the fact that it's even on the radar is uh, almost uh, unthinkable in, in some way. One of the, um, I don't know, I read it somewhere, so it must be true. Um, someone said, we'll never see this again. Why? Maybe he is that good. I guess time uh, yeah, will tell, right? Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. yes, it's very rare, but perhaps he's that guy. You know, Barry Bonds with his, uh, you know, home runs and 110 uh, intentional passes. Oh, that'll never happen. Well, it happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I just think Otani, if he stays healthy, is a good bet to break all kinds of records. Yeah, I would think that, and I and, and I wonder how long will he do both? Right, you know that's got to be a you know of some consideration. Obviously. Yep. Do you I think he's a shoe in for the AL MVP? He better be. <laughs> <laughs> Who else is there? Right, uh, Vlad. Yeah. yeah, I guess the only other, or, or, or yeah. maybe even one of his teammates. Um, um, Springer, yes. uh, they, they're both yeah. are way up there. Yeah, but I don't know how you don't pick Otani. I mean, considering the uh, extraordinary combination of talent, pitching and hitting that you're seeing, unlike nothing we've ever seen before. Even if Mike Trout were healthy and playing at his normal level, Otani would be the MVP. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. and that would probably help his case too. To have a healthy Mike Trout out there. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, I, w I also wonder, you know, will this spurn, you know, down the road, will we see guys doing both pitching and playing in the field or, or, or at least swinging the bat? That, you know, that's a, it's very rare, but, it, but, you know, but, you know, but kids now, you know, when they, when they come up through the little league, they decide then whether they're going to be a pitcher or not. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Which is because, you know, I always, you know, when I played sports as a kid, I always liked to do one, play more than one sport and two, always do different, different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I and I don't know if him pitching and hitting uh, happens more frequently in the Japanese league or not. Um, or he maybe he was a fluke there as well. 
I, I mean that in every positive way possible. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I don't recall there being Jay or Jeff yeah. of that many players there doing that. It might I don't just either. be a rare occurrence uh, wherever it, uh, wherever he came up. Um, but to your question, Joe, I, I don't know that we're going to see it. I mean, certainly not. I think I'll see it in my lifetime that happening. I think pitchers are just. Uh, you know, they're coming up now. They're going to be protected. Yep. You know, uh, we're not going to put, put them out there where they could get injured. I just, I can't imagine that happening. Mm. But it has been an incredible year for them, that's for sure. And then uh, wanted to get your guys' thoughts. Uh, first, let's talk about, uh, you know, I know your teams aren't in it, but uh, what do you see for, for the future beyond this season? Uh, Joe, let's start with you and the Twins. Well, uh I was doing a little research this week and, and a record was set this week by a player who became the fastest at the beginning of a career to make it to a thousand strikeouts. Hmm. <laughs> uh, now, which pitcher do you think that was? That's correct. It wasn't a pitcher. It was a hitter. <laughs> Miguel Sano. <laughs> 1,000 strikeouts in, I think, 661 games, Ooh. which is the Ouch. fastest to that dubious mark ever. So as we, we talk a little bit just quickly about the, um, the twins, <laughs> um, will Baldelli be back next year? Probably. Uh, I, I think Rocco's so. probably going to be back, although they've you know, not played well, played well this year. Uh, they've still a pretty good hitting team. They're second in the league in home runs behind the Blue Jays, actually. So they still hit the ball pretty well, but they've got to totally blow up their uh, pitching staff to, to become competitive. Again, they don't really have any really well-established starters at this point, And the bullpen has been pretty non-existent as well. Their, their best pitcher might be the guy they got in the Barrios trade or no, the Nelson Cruz trade, I believe, or was it? I forget now. Yeah, the, the Cruz trade with Tampa Bay. Tampa, yeah. Uh, Joe uh, Ryan, the young pitcher who pinched on the Olympic team. He's they, they brought him up, and he's looked really good. And what was he like, the third or fourth best pitcher on Tampa Bay's in their minor league system, and yet he's probably right now the best pitcher the Twins have, if that tells, yeah. you, if that tells you anything. So, uh, it'll, you know, uh, optimism springs eternal, as you guys know especially if you're a Twins fan or a Royals fan or any yeah. small market fan. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll see. But uh, I, I hope we can get back to spring training uh, next spring. I, that would make me happy right there just to see the guys again and uh, see, see what the future holds. Jay, about the Pirates. Wow. Um, rebuilding, tear it down, have teared it down or torn it. Yeah, tear it down. Well, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm not grammar. <laughs> um, it's stocked minor league system, but those guys are all at A ball right now. <laughs> and so it's going to be two or three years before we start seeing them. And in the meantime, they can't do this, uh, what they're doing this year, again next year, or, you know, shut the doors and, and go somewhere because – it'll announce the crowd is 8,200 and it's probably 2000 people, you know, and in a town that loves baseball, when you play well, um, or try, and, yeah. <laughs> in perhaps the most beautiful park in the majors, um, people just are staying away in droves. Here's the thing. They have no pitching. Um, their bullpen is pathetic except for David Bednar and, and maybe Chris Stratton, who they discovered he's 31 and he was just discovered. Uh, and the other thing is they need to at least get a major leaguer to play a corner outfield position because they've been parading all these, uh, you know, guys that have been released and DFA'd and minor leaguers and career guys and sticking them in the starting lineup in right or left field ever since they got rid of Polanco. Um, which it took way too long to do that. So Reynolds is out there in center field at all-star. And, you know, Ben Gamble was a good pickup, and he's played well, but he should be in the majors at best a fourth outfielder. They need to not say be patient. They need to go get someone to play right or left field who's a major leaguer just to hold the glue together. Now, on top, I mean, Cabrian Hayes is going to be a gold glove third baseman, a good hitter. 
Like Kevin Newman might win the gold glove at shortstop this year, but he may be done because he's around the Mendoza line. Uh, they don't have a second baseman because they traded Frazier. Colin Moran's okay at first. Uh, Jacob Stallings, if he doesn't win the gold glove as a catcher, it's fixed. Um, but he's also a 240 hitter, but he works very well with the pitchers. So they just need to plug some holes at the major league level until those guys start to arrive. Um, Quinn Priester, who's their big guy at A, uh, no, double A actually, was voted the uh, number one pitcher at that level by major league baseball writers a couple weeks ago. And Nick Gonzalez, who's the guy, he's at second base at high A league in the Carolinas. He had a two game stretch about a month ago where he had five home runs and 15 RBIs in two games. Um, he's the real deal, but he's at high A ball. It's going to be three years before anybody sees any of these guys. So find some parts, you know, right now they're, they're, their lineup isn't much worse than the Cubs right now after the Cubs jettisoned everybody. And, you know, you never know from year to year what the Reds are going to do, but we always know the Cardinals and Brewers are going to be up there. So it doesn't look good. Help is coming, but hang, hanging in there for another two or three years will be very difficult. Hmm. That's a, that's tall ask. <laughs> it's really, yeah, they, is. they sound yep. like they're, they're in worse shape than the twins right now. Yes, absolutely. There are no pieces there other than Hayes and, uh, and Reynolds. But you got some guys coming up. So yes. there's reason for hope, but yeah. not not in the immediate uh, Correct. future. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, before we uh, before I ask you about your football teams, because I got to get a little football talk in. Mm -hmm. So anything else from the baseball season that you want to do expand upon or Joe, have you done any more f amazing research like you usually do? <laughs> well, <laughs> not as much. Not as much this time. I uh, just was looking at a few things this week. Back to Kansas City for a minute. Uh, uh, Perez, the catcher, setting the record for most home runs by a catcher with yep. uh, 46. That's pretty amazing. I hadn't really been following him that closely, but that was kind of amazing to see that breaking Johnny Bench's old record. So that, that, that was quite remarkable. Uh, the Rays call up another um, star future pitcher in the making Dane Boz yes. who looked great the other night and seems mature beyond his years. That's the description that others uh, hang on him. He's like, he's just got ice in his veins. He yep. comes out and, you know, being put out there against Toronto for crying out loud. I mean, that's ordeal by fire, but he looked, he looked great and the race just continue to churn him out. Uh, I don't know what their secret is, but um, they continue to do that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, an older guy, Anthony Goes, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, the yep. former outfielder who spent a few years in the major leagues as an outfielder and has not played in the majors for five years, is back now with the Indians as a relief pitcher and is yeah. topping out at around 100 miles per hour on the radar gun, but is having a little uh, problem with his control. Well, what <laughs> relief pitcher does not, but I thought that was yeah. An amazing story right there. This guy coming back, reinventing himself, literally, to get back on. Jay, anything you uh, for the season you stands out? I want to tag on to something Joe said about um, the Rays. So Shane Boz, Austin Meadows, he have 100 RBIs, and Tyler Glass now. Pirates, Pirates, Pirates. Thank you. All traded from the Pirates for Chris Archer, who stunk up the joint when he was there. <laughs> um, that's what the Rays do well. Uh, they identify talent and nurture them and fit them into their plan. And the guys that play there understand the way it is and understand that the minute they get pricey, they're going to be gone, but that's okay. They just win. The other, the other thing about um, the baseball season, it seems to me, uh, you know, I, I've had more interest in it this year than previously, and I throw out last year. Um, it seems to me that interest has waned uh, in baseball this year, and I think it might have to do with all the uh, the losing streaks and the winning streaks, and we're going to let the pitchers use put stuff on the ball, and now we're not going to let pitchers use stuff on the ball. No, oh, when we started checking pitchers, the home runs stopped. And, you know, I, and then we've got a guy on second base in the 10th inning, and we're playing seven-inning doubleheaders. You know, not that that stuff's all bad. 
I just think it's hard to keep track. And maybe it's, you know, uh, being a 62-year-old guy uh, who baseball is his favorite sport, I, I have trouble keeping track of everything that's going on. There just doesn't seem to be any consistency going on in the major leagues. And, you know, and I also would wonder how much did, you know, last year's 60-game season have to do do with it because, you know, baseball, you know, kind of came back to help fill the void yes. uh, of sports. I think that, maybe that plays a part in it. Yeah, and it also, you you know, you look at most starting pitchers now, 50, 60 pitches, they're out. And, and I think that has to do with they didn't get – work last year or in the fall leagues or didn't get stretched out. And so teams are being very careful with their arms, but that's also, so that's why you need 14 pitchers now and you only have four bench guys. So, you know, what do you do late in the game? I I don't have the right answer or the solution, but that's the way it is right now. Very interesting indeed. Yeah. So- I, yeah. Just, just to quickly uh, dovetail on that. I, I, I would agree with what you um, said Jay, and of course the Twins having an off season this year kind of, uh, you know, made me a little perhaps less interested than I would otherwise. But you're but you're right. All of the, all of the uh, ups and downs, and uh, I don't know. I'm just overwhelmed by all of the statistics and the analytics, and yeah. it's almost like I want let's let's do a little reset, reset here, and maybe see what we can do with some of this clutter. It's like a bunch of clutter. Yep. And uh, after a while, I think that even on a, <laughs> if nothing else, on a subliminal level, it probably begins to affect your experience of the game. What's the remedy? You go to Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City or Target yeah. Field in Minnesota. <laughs> yes, and just enjoy the enjoy the night out. But on a day to day basis, yeah, I, I agree. You you know you raise some good points. Yeah. One of the things. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I was going to say I'm I'm also tired of hearing of exit velocity. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares how fast it goes out? It goes out. <laughs> I have a game on the TV over here. Uh, batter's name, pitcher's name, number of pitches, speed, count, outs, bases, score. When do they add in their spin rate for every pitch? <laughs> Jeez. I don't I don't care. Yeah. I think I we're all pretty good with numbers, but I, I yeah. if you're like me, it's like when is enough enough, really? Right? Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it, it does amaze me uh, in that respect. And of course, you know, and, you know, and my team's in the race, but my interest wanes when football season starts. A little yeah, too, so, yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things. So uh, let's chat just briefly about football. And, and Jay, before I ask you about your team, I'm going to ask you about mine because you're deep in the heart of, of Texas there. Yep. And uh, the Dallas Cowboys, uh, How what's the conversation been like regarding uh, Mike McCarthy's uh clock management skills oh. i mean if, if greg zerline doesn't make that field goal the roasting is much greater <laughs> yeah the uh so i was driving back from kansas city and i was just close enough to pull in uh, the cowboys game on the fan our our station and when that happened brad and babe went off on it on the lack of clock management or mismanagement what well, well, brad said criminal <laughs> Yeah, I, you're correct. That was the word for it. Now, aside from that, uh, people are optimistic because of how well Dak has played. And Zeke hasn't fumbled yet, at least that I don't remember. Uh, and Amari Cooper got his first of many injuries. Um, but CeeDee Lamb is playing well, and the defense is not as bad as everyone had anticipated. So it's still very optimistic, especially being the division in which they're playing, you know, the Eagles and their fluky week one win and the Redskins and their quarterback situation and the Giants who will be, you know, a two and 15 this year, no matter how Daniel Jones plays. Um, so it's very positive for the Cowboys right now. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that clock management. Yeah. Cause I'm sitting there going, what are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, was, they had a timeout, run another yeah. play. 
Yeah, now they did they did say that the the, the clocks are very hard to see in SoFi Stadium. Yes. I think uh, Babe Bloffenberg even backed that up on Twitter. Uh, but still that. but still somebody has to know. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, know. Isn't there a guy in charge of that? Yeah, there's like <laughs> there's like 50 assistant coaches. <laughs> you know, somebody has somebody could probably take care of that. Um, let's talk about your team. The Steelers one to one start uh, emphatic win over Buffalo, but then it seems like the Las Vegas Raiders have your number. Yeah, they kind of always have. Um, uh, you know, the Steelers' offensive line is still awful young. Uh, they haven't gelled yet. Uh, so Najee Harris has no room to run. Uh, that's a problem. And then Ben has to get rid of the ball fast. He got hit 10 times on Sunday. Um, he did not play well. Uh, the, there are offensive problems. And as you can imagine, uh, people were up in arms after two games that the new offensive coordinator doesn't know what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, their first touchdown was scored on a, 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 you know, an end around from a Juju Smith-Schuster, which is one of those kinds of plays. And so that's how they scored. Uh, The other problem is injuries. And I know, you know, in the division with Baltimore, one can't complain about injuries, but they went into the game with uh, three guys uh, with groin injuries and then T.J. Watt pulled his groin in the game. <laughs> and one of the Pittsburgh writers said that the Steelers should fire their groin coach. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Alu Alu broke his ankle. And, you know, and, uh, you know, Trey Turner got kicked out of the game for spitting on someone. Although, as, as is the common refrain, he spit on me first. Um, but he's the one they saw. So you just can't play stupid like that. And so the uh, the salve to soothe all injuries is this Sunday when the Cincinnati Bengals come to town. <laughs> now, I'm a huge Joe Burrow fan, and I think he's the real deal, but I don't think they can protect him. Yeah. And so we shall see. You know, the Steelers could end up, you know, 6-11 and 11 or 11-6, and six, you know, especially with Baltimore's injuries and Cleveland lost in week one. Uh, Who knows? Uh, I wasn't holding out great hope. I was hoping to compete for a playoff spot and I'm sure they'll still be doing that. Yeah. But boy, how do you get an epidemic of groin injuries? (laughs) 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 Oh Lord. That's a, that's a quite out there. Uh, It's absorbing junior time. (laughs) Just don't get it too close. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joe, let's uh, talk about the Vikings. uh, 0-2 starts. uh, I'm going to take you back to uh, last Sunday. Four seconds to go. Greg Joseph out for the Vikings to try what will be a 37-yard field goal. Joseph, two out of two on his previous attempts, both from under 50 yards. The crowd is going wild. There's the snap. The kick is up, and it is no good. He missed it. It's wide to the right. Okay. Traumatized traumatized yet again. Yeah, and I understand the Viking radio call originally said it was good. He said it was good, but that's a psychological syndrome. Now, he knew it was no good. (laughs) You know, it's delusional. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, I joked about this before the season began. I said, <laughs> with some people, I said, well, he's got a rookie kicker out there again. It's, it's only going to be a matter of time before yep. a game is going to be decided by that rookie kicker. I didn't think it would be this soon. And Joe, uh, I have yeah. a question about the Vikings. Yes. What is the statute of limitations on Mike Zimmer? Uh, this could be the tipping point year. Yeah, I think he and Spielman, uh, Rick. Oh yeah, Spielman, yeah, yeah. Um, They, you know, they've loaded up with uh, some new guys on defense. I think the expectations are fairly positive this they year. They are actually, yeah. Uh, and at this point, about all we can say is they are the best zero and two team uh, in the NFL right now. I'll go with that. Uh, but they, if they start winning, I think they'll be okay. Okay, Jay and. Um, Kirk Cousins has actually played pretty well, too. I know he yeah. catches a lot of heat. He, th- these two losses are not on, on Cousins. But uh, the defense has, has got to play better. That's, that's Zimmer's legacy. That's his thing. And when you give up 500 yards uh, to a team and 34 points, uh, you're not going to win many football games. Right. And that's what we've seen so far. So, yeah, I think this may be a make-or-break year. I, I like Zimmer. Uh, you know, 
He's I the same too. age as we are, Jay. I mean, he's one of those guys. I, I like him. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, this is one of those years where I think they need to really step it up. So hopefully they will. Yeah, I know Jay's familiar with Zimmer's time with the Cowboys. And, you know, one of, one of the things that always amazed me about him, you know, because he's always been a 4-3 coach. But yeah. when, he, when he was under Parcells, it was a 3-4. And he coached a 3-4 defense and and pretty well. Yes. So, it's, so you know, you, you, you don't find it often guys are pretty stubborn in what they like to do to, to be able to flip the page like that. So. I, I thought that was always impressive about him. Yeah. I mean, he could adjust to the talent the team had. He would adjust his scheme. And if you can do that, you're a good coach. Yeah. Yeah. I think he is a good, you know, I think he is a good coach. Um, but like any other deal, it's, it's, what are you doing? What are you, it's yeah. not what could have, should have, would have, but what have you actually done? And, yeah. You know, Minnesota is very patient. We long-suffering Viking fans have been waiting for uh, generations uh, for for the day uh, when the Lombardi Trophy comes our way. But uh, well, uh, blowing it up every three years is not an answer. That's the bottom. <laughs> no, no, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I still think they could have a decent season. They have some talent, and you know they've only lost. Uh, uh, by a point to, a, I think, a pretty good Arizona team. Yeah, yeah. And, and Cincinnati Burrow. and Joe Burrow. I mean, Burrow's a good quarterback. So yep. I wasn't surprised that game was competitive. And again, they ended up losing that one in OT. So hopefully they, the ball starts bouncing their way pretty, pretty soon. And it'll be interesting to see how the extra game this season bears on all of this, too, because sure. you know, you're going to have a lot of a lot of division races and playoff spots coming down to the wire. And that extra game is going to make things a little, you know, probably they'll probably have to add another 15 tiebreakers to the, to the <laughs> equation. Yeah. The Owen, the Owen two teams are hope, are only disappointed that we didn't have an 18 game schedule and we, yes. we need more games. Yes. <laughs> point. There you go. All right. You guys ready to do some TV themes? Yes. Yes, sir. All right. Let's uh, let's do Jay's first. All right, Jay, your theme was? Love American Style. Um, showing my age, uh, Love American Style actually was the genesis of the show Happy Days. Yep. There was a segment on Love American Style. It was on ABC on Friday nights, uh, Monday, then Friday nights, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern. And it was four you know, vignettes about relationships. And they were always light and happy and positive. Uh, you know, it was the love boat before there was the love boat. And in fact, all the same people. Uh, and what happened was once there was a sketch called Love and the Happy Day. And uh, Ron Howard was in it. Uh, Tom Bosley was not the dad, uh, but Ron Howard was in it. And I remember this line from that. Ron was sick from drinking too much. He went to a party. And his dad said to him, uh, did you drink much? And he said, yeah, but it was in these tiny little glasses. And his dad said, well, how many did you have? And he said, 72. <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's, that's how memorable it is to me that that which happened 50 years ago, uh, I remember that. And that was, you know, part of the Friday night lineup on ABC, which included uh, the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family from time to time. So it was all sitcom-y. And, uh, you know, it did, you know, precede the whole love boat thing where they were basically interwoven vignettes of different relationships. And it was such a 70s formula for ABC and it worked so well. And Karen Valentine was always on there, too. And I liked her. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that that would seal the deal for me right there. Right? Yeah. So yeah, that ran on uh, ABC, uh, sixty nine to seventy four, and as you mentioned, it was in the Friday lineup in the seventy one and seventy two seasons. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was a great lineup: Brady Bunch, Farsh's Family, Room Two Twenty Two, and The Odd Couple. Along yeah, with great style. TV. Friday yeah. nights eating crackers in bed with my mom and sister. That's that's awesome stuff, and uh, not only that. The uh, the theme song w- was interesting. So uh, what was it that? Um, uh, so the song was originally done by the Cow Sills. Correct. For the first season, the second season, the same theme song was done by the Ron Hicklin singers, and they were the backup voices on the Partridge Family. Correct. Which was based on the Cow Sills. That is correct. <laughs> it's amazing. All this incestuous information from Hollywood. Yes, it is incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny is it fit the time perfectly. Um, I I loved bubblegum music. You know, I loved the Cow Sills and the Archies and Ohio Express and those bands. And, you know, the early to mid-70s pop music on AM radio it just it just it gives me diabetes, but it, I love it. Okay? <laughs> and I'm I'm with you. The cow seals. Remember the the, the rain, the park and, and other, other things. things. Yep. Yeah, I love that song. It's a great yeah. song. And I will say, having worked in oldies radio for a long time, that's probably next to Build Me Up Buttercup. The most requested song um, is the cow seals. And of course, no one knows the name of it. They call it. Can you play? I love the flower girl. I love the flower girl. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that either for many years. <laughs> but yeah, it just fit the time perfectly. Early mid-70s, pop music on the AM radio. It just had that sound to it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that is that is amazing. And I think, and I know you mentioned it was kind of like the Lobo for the Lobo. And I think um, you and some of the actors, I can't remember that were on there, but they would, they would, actors would actually sometimes be in, in different vignettes on the same show. Yes. I'm looking at it right now. Some of the repertory company, Phyllis Davis. Uh, she was on Vegas too, I believe. Oh yes. And uh, Clifton Davis, Richard Williams, Bill Calloway, Stuart Margolin. Um, you know, all, all these. Yeah, I mean, but they also had like Pat Paulson and Phyllis Diller and Milton Berle and all these other big names that were all just you know, ABC could just whip them out and put them on there. Ozzy and Harriet. Uh, you name it, they were on there. Yeah, and then I guess the other interesting aspect is when that show went into syndication because of the way they, they did those uh, things, they basically had nine years' worth yes. of stuff from that ran from five seasons. Yeah, and they ran it during ABC Daytime. Yes, they did. Yeah. I do. Yes, I do remember that as well. So, uh, Love America Style was Jay's pick. Now, let's hear Joe's. <laughs> The study of law is something new and unfamiliar to most of you, unlike any other schooling that you have ever known before. First years are hard years, much more than we know. With good friends to love us, we'll feel every blow. Stay open to all things. yourselves the law, but I train your minds. You come in here with a skull full of mush, and if you survive, you leave thinking like a lawyer. And Joe, your theme is? The theme from The Paper Chase, which was a 1978 CBS TV drama that ran for all of one season on CBS. It was based on a novel written in 1971 by John J. Osborne, which was subsequently adapted into a, uh, a film, a movie in 1973. And then it hit um, television in 78. Uh, CBS on 
Friday night. It uh, came at an interesting time for me personally, because in 1978, I was beginning to apply to various law schools. I was a junior at the University of Central Florida and was about two years away from going to law school. And the paper chase followed the lives of a group of first year law students at an unnamed law school, which was presumably either Harvard or in my opinion, I think it was probably Yale, but one of those, you know, top two uh, Ivy League schools. And as I watched that, I, I often watched it with my grandmother, actually. She loved the show. And I have many fond memories of going by Friday night and, you know, having a Pepsi and some snacks with her. And we watched the paper chase. Uh, it, you know, it was one of those shows that was critically acclaimed. It was uh People often ask me about it uh, or have asked me about it over the years. And I, I would say that it was a very optimistic and a very altruistic yeah. show. Um, and I was really uh, drawn to that. And I, I, of course, prior to going to law school, I wondered, well, is this what it's going to be like? Because it was kind of scary. <laughs> Look at what these kids went through. They were all younger law students. These days you have, you know, kids going to uh, people going to law school of all ages. But back in my day, it was, you know, pretty much we were coming in out of undergrad or within a couple of years. And uh, it, it was pretty realistic in, in many ways. And I think even today it was uh, it still has withstood the test of time. John Hausman, uh, the actor, the great actor, played the uh, awe-inspiring and fear-inducing contract law professor, uh, Charles Kingsfield, who yeah. made life hell for the, uh, the 1Ls, the first-year students. And he often uh, matched wits with the chief protagonist among the students who was a, uh, the character on the show, was a young law student by the name of James T. Hart, played by the actor... James Stevens and Hart was a small town farm boy from Minnesota, Minnesota nice, who went to the big law school, the Ivy League school, and would end up uh, graduating as the valedictorian of his class. Now, law school is three years. CBS canceled the show after one season. <laughs> uh, but uh, and PBS picked it up and ran yeah. it in reruns. Yeah. For you, that shows how good it was. was. That shows you the quality right there, right, Jay? Yep. So, so according then, to Wikipedia, yet uh, what Showtime? Showtime ended three up seasons it up, of it, uh, yeah. like three, three or four years later, I think in '83, and by which that was the year I graduated. <laughs> graduated, so it's like okay, uh, and yeah, they picked it up, and so we we were able to see the progression of the students, and then in '85, I think the final season, we actually saw uh, Hart graduate. The very final episode was. Uh, Mr. Hart giving the commencement speech at his uh, law school's graduating class. And presumably now he is probably in line to be the next Supreme Court justice or something. <laughs> but but yeah, I have many fond memories of, uh, of that show. Which A show, great, great show. Yeah. Which, uh, which financial institution did John Hausman do the commercial for? Oh, E.F. Hutton. Yes. Yes. Right? E.F. Hutton. Yeah, he was perfect. Perfect yes. for that. Yeah, yeah. He, he had that sort of commanding presence. Wasn't he also um, in Rollerball? I think he was one of the team owners in the original Rollerball. Wow, maybe so, Jay. You got yeah, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, yeah, but he, he was great, great in that series. Yeah, I was looking over the the cast list. Some interesting names that uh, pop up on that. Michael Tucci. Yeah. Yep. Uh, was on the Penny Johnson. Um, Lady Kazan wow. and uh, Jane Kazmarek. I was, yeah, I saw Jane was on there. Probably, those are yeah. all in the. Um, I think most of those in the Showtime. Uh, yeah, the Showtime era. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting, interesting, uh, interesting to and go Seals back. And Seals and Crofts. Seals and Crofts did the uh, same oh, yeah. theme in the original CBS One Year Run uh, song called "The First Years," which and Seals and Crofts. I love Seals and Crofts, so that's a little added, little added bonus there. And I hope one of the writers is Charles Fox. He who wrote Mockingbird, the original version was Inez and Charles Fox in the early 60s. And then it was covered by James Taylor and Carly Simon. And Carly Simon. Wow. Yeah. So he was a, a prolific songwriter and he wrote that song for Seals and Cross. I did not know that. I, but yeah, that's great. And of course, it was covered again in Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, you're right. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh goodness gracious all right so uh, good job on the tv themes and uh, uh and also uh with our baseball and football talk jay and joe as always i appreciate you being on thanks jeff, thanks, jeff. and with that we are done here Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Cell is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.